Hey friends, welcome to the Courage Cast. My name is Andrea Crisp and I am your host and I am so glad that you've tuned in today, especially if this is your very first time. Welcome. We're glad you're here. You know, I love our Canadian athletes. I think you know that about me. I talk about figure skating all of the time, but I have really just become so passionate about women's empowerment and what that looks like on every level whether that's in business, whether that's just in mentorship with um, teenagers, whether that's in the athletic realm. I just think it's so important that we empower young women, young girls to be able to accomplish their dreams and to really set their sights on things that will impact the world around them. So I'm excited to introduce our guest to you today. But before we get there, we just wrapped up five-day confidence challenge and man oh man sure did love doing that confidence challenge it was amazing we had so many people participate and um, be a part of the Facebook lives that we did and in case you're wondering whether or not those Facebook lives are still available to you to listen to they absolutely are you can sign up at andreacrisp.ca forward slash challenge and it will actually give you the link for the Facebook group and you can add yourself and watch the replays, be encouraged, be challenged to really step into your full confidence. And we're so excited because the Brave Collective has opened its doors and we are starting a brand new membership site which is an online coaching community which will not only empower women to step into their full potential, but also give them practical tools so they can implement strategies to move their lives forward. And this is something that I've been thinking about for quite some time, so I'm really excited. We're gonna be in beta launch mode, which means we're forming what it looks like. So you wanna get in on the ground level. You want to actually make sure that you're a part of this so that you can build the community and the culture. And we are open until Friday, June 21st at 5 p.m. Then the doors close and I will be building the membership site and we will be launching in July. So if you're interested in joining the Brave Collective, then you want to make sure you go over to andreacrisp.ca forward slash collective and get in on this really amazing opportunity we're going to be running this summer. You're listening to The Courage Cast, a show to equip and empower women to live bravely. Each week, we'll share coaching conversations and stories of women who are willing to face their fear and pursue their purpose. Here's your host, life coach, author, and your secret weapon. So our guest today is Kyla Ritchie, and she is team captain of the Canadian volleyball team. And man, I just absolutely adore this girl. I met her over social media of all places through Instagram and I just have been following her journey and her story and she has so many wonderful things to share about leadership, about mentorship, about the struggles that she's gone through with anxiety and depression and grief with the loss of her younger brother and it is a beautiful story which I know is going to encourage you to take steps in your own life and move forward even in the midst of sadness and despair, that there is always hope on the other side. So I'm really excited for you to meet Kyla Ritchie. 
Kayla, thank you so much for joining me today on the Courage Cast. I know that you have just recently got back to Canada and you're about to start a new adventure and I'm really excited to talk to you about that and about what's going on in your life, but thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. Yeah, thank you for having me, Andrew. I'm really excited to be here. Now, you had just told me off air that you were just in Peru. I was, yes. I was finishing my seventh professional volleyball season. So for the past seven years, I've been gallivanting around the world and living in very crazy foreign countries. It's been crazy. (laughs) That's pretty amazing, I have to say, and probably quite the adventure. Now, I know that some people may be familiar with you, but then some people may not. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe what you're passionate about? Sure. Um, So currently I am the captain of the women's Canadian volleyball team. Um, I've been playing, well, I've been playing volleyball um, for as long as I can remember. Sports and athletics has been a huge part of my life growing up. Um, I first made the junior national team when I was in grade 10 and since then have have been competing for Canada. So it's been a wild ride, but I'm I'm almost 30 and I'm still doing this um, a decade later. I just love it amazing. so, so much. And um, yeah, the our Team Canada season, I guess, runs in the summer. So from about typically May until September or October into the fall. And after that, we kind of spread out. And if you're not in school, if you've graduated university, then you're off playing professional volleyball. Like I said, in can be basically in any part of the world. Um, typically the European countries are some of the strongest, but again, like Russia and Brazil are also leaders in volleyball. So your contract can essentially take you anywhere in the world. It's usually just for a five to eight month or nine month stint. And then again, it's back to team Canada. So yeah, I've been playing between the national team and on a professional team that changes every season, um, have been going essentially playing volleyball for 12 months of the year for many, many years now, but it's, it's so rewarding and it's so cool to be in different countries every single year that it changes so much that I'm, I'm kind of able to do this for as long as I have. No kidding. Now I know that you're married. Yes. So how does that fit into it. I'm very curious about that because like, you know, being away for, you know, six months of the year and then coming back, like how, how have you been able to navigate that? Yeah, it's not the easiest. That's for sure. Um, people are saying like long distance, they can't even do it for two or three weeks. And like, how are you doing it for multiple months of the year? And definitely is tough. Um, my husband, Rudy was also on the men's Canadian uh, national team. And he was actually in Rio for the Olympics, uh, last Olympics, which I was able to go down for. But we kind of started corresponding and then therefore dating when we were kind of in the midst of our Team Canada and professional careers. And he, as of late, has stepped back from national team commitments in order for us to be able to spend more time together because as possible as it is with a lot of work and um, communication it is just quite difficult of course so Mm -hmm. this past year he was in Peru with me but the years before we were doing um, the year before this I was playing in Indonesia and Rudy was playing 
um, in Austria. So there was a crazy time difference. We've also done, I've lived in Azerbaijan and he's lived in Germany. So they've, we're not even just in the same EU countries. It's right. we're on opposite sides of the world, but we both kind of understand, um, I guess that what we're doing, you are kind of sacrificing a bit. Like we're not near our families. We're not kind of able to build the relationship with each other face to face. However, there are also so many things to be learned when you're apart and our communication has had to skyrocket over the past few years because if you kind of keep anything inside or you're not kind of still putting each other first, even though you are apart, it's, I mean, it gets harder and harder as the months progress. So we've had to learn a lot of things and we learn a lot about, uh, about each other, even if, um, we're not there. Although of course we really like being together anyway. So this, yeah. <laughs> this past year we, um, did make, the, or Rudy, I guess, made that change. And, um, he's supporting me while for my drive to the Olympics. Um, and then after that, we'll kind of, I guess, see where it takes us. But, um, this past year in Peru, I was there for five months. Rudy came, but he got a stint in India in February. So he was gone for just over a month. And, um, even being apart for that amount of time is difficult, but same thing. Like I said, it, we just kind of understand the drive for what we're doing. And for us, it, there's always a bigger picture. Um, and it's not just kind of making it to the Olympics. It's also like, well, awesome. Like you get to go and impact, um, fans and your teammates and even like the league in foreign countries. So we also kind of see that as a really cool opportunity to do it. Um, mm -hmm. instead of just kind of being sad that we're apart. Yeah, that's interesting that you say that, like that you you know there's a bigger picture. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about that a little bit? Like what is, like when you talk about with him, you know, what is the bigger picture of what you both intend on doing with your careers? Well, um, yeah, over, I guess over the years, um, oh yeah, there's a lot of layers to this. So um, about six years ago now, my younger brother passed away in a kind of freak tragic accident and it just mm. yeah, came out of nowhere and we were having to deal with that sudden loss and I was having to decide if I still wanted to play like I was really committed to my team and I only took a couple of weeks off and then was back with them finishing up with Team Canada and I actually I don't even know I think a month later I was on a plane for to my only to my second contract um, overseas to Turkey and I was by myself no one spoke English the internet was bad and through even through these past five, six seasons, I've kind of had to, I've had to every single year decide whether or not leaving every season is worth it. And is it worth missing things at home? And what am I getting out of volleyball? Because once it becomes a job, it's so easy to lose the love and the passion for the game that you had growing up, even years earlier at university, for example. And I've had to just really dig in myself again every year because everything is changing and we're growing all the time that um, like, why am I doing this? Why am I still playing? Um, it's not just for the money. You can make money elsewhere. And mm -hmm. with national team, we don't get paid a lot. And that's just, that's a pride thing. And I want to be reaching um, younger athletes. And for Rudy and I, professional volleyball, as awesome as it is, and that's how we make our living. Like I had said, um, that's how you, you're put in a place for a reason. 
and it can be a really wild, crazy country that sometimes isn't super safe, but you're there and the doors have kind of opened and led you to get there. And uh, both Rudy and I are Christians. And that for me, after my brother passed away was kind of how my faith journey really started to pick up. Um, I had another personal tragedy when I was in high school and for me kind of turned away from my faith during that time. But after this tragedy with my brother is kind of when um, I realized like, wow, like I, it just wasn't going to be me that picks myself up kind of from the floor and from these broken pieces. Like there's no way that I am strong enough to do that. And what do I believe about the world? What do I believe about when people pass away? Where do they go? What is the kind of the meaning of life? I think it's interesting when a death occurs, that's often when we, we start thinking about like, what is our purpose in life and what does this all mean? Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, that kind of happened for me. So it's kind of, it's been a, interesting parallel to be on this path for volleyball and all of these doors continuing to open up. And, um, for, for me, just knowing that, um, that I believe in a God and I believe that it's not just coincidence that these things, um, are happening and that are, like I said, these paths are kind of leading the way for us in our lives. And, when you kind of think about all of these circumstantial things that happen and then all of a sudden you're in a foreign country and you're meeting these people that do really seem to need you in their lives and you really need to see, be, um, feel them in your lives. It's kind of an interesting thing. And you realize like, this isn't just by fluke, you know, it's, uh, for me, I, there is a bigger picture and, um, yeah, there's just been some really amazing experiences that I've had overseas and not just on the volleyball court, but you are able to touch people in that community that you're in, um, in just really interesting ways. And that wouldn't ever be possible without volleyball and without these, um, seasons that I'm having in foreign countries, I guess. Mm -hmm. It it almost sounds like, you know, it is a tool, like volleyball has become a tool for you to use to actually live out your life in a way that is very purposeful. Yeah, exactly. And I actually started my website many, many years ago. Just uh, the original purpose was to highlight and introduce my teammates, my Team Canada teammates, just to Canadians and to the Mm -hmm. youth, because there wasn't really a platform where anyone was doing that. And I thought, well, like we're supposed to be mentors and leaders in this community and in this country for sport and volleyball um, in general, but how can we be leaders if nobody really knows like her personal story, my personal story. And so I started it in order to introduce my teammates and that kind of progressed into the platform that I have now, which has been really interesting. Also kind of adding things into my blog and into my website and kind of revamped it within the past year, because I am wanting to talk a lot about um, how grief is kind of manifested and it's so different for everyone, but there's all of these really interesting topics um, and things that I'm really passionate about that we just seem as a society not to ever really bring up. And they're hard conversations, but I think they're only hard conversations because they're kind of abnormal just to bring up. And so I thought, well, I guess (laughs) I'm just going to start talking about it and on Instagram, start writing some pretty interesting, maybe controversial or uh, just posts that are kind of raw and real and 
the feedback that I get from not only athletes, but just um, women or parents that are reading these words is really, really awesome. And it's just kind of pushed me forward into trying to, yeah, like I said, create a platform that is um, all about authenticity and um, just trying to be as real as I possibly can in my struggles, because I, I do know that I am a role model for many, but it's funny because when, when you get into it and I'm still playing that um, sometimes my teammates and I struggle with the same things as a youth player is struggling with and, and okay, like maybe society now, it even seems like it's harder because these girls are growing up um, with so much social media and coverage on all of these influencers and models and professional players that they want to go from A to B so quickly. And that's causing so much depression and anxiety in our culture as well. But okay, we're also still struggling with that, even though we're professional athletes, we're on Team Canada. How can we kind of connect with the younger age groups as well? Tell them that it's normal. Tell them um, everything you're feeling is totally normal. And how can you kind of combat that? How can we like teach these youth that like what they're doing is awesome and mm-hmm. just kind of breathe life into them because I mean, our society is so wild. <laughs> like even yeah. again, just coming back into the country um, just a couple of weeks ago, it's um, I feel like I've also, I've just gone right back into it. Like I'm rushing around. I'm super busy um, just forgetting to slow down and do the things that like I need to do to take care of myself. And it's only been two weeks and I'm already forgetting. So yeah, it's just really interesting. There's been some really interesting conversations that I've had um, with other mentors, teachers, and athletes, and parents of athletes, which has been really interesting. So I'm just really interested to keep conversations going and try to reach as many people as I can. There seems to be a, a really large need for that honest conversation and just connection that we're kind of missing right now in this day and age. Yeah. No, there is so much you just said. I'm sorry, that was a huge rant. No, 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 no. It's so, it's awesome. I was like, where do I start? (laughs) There's so much. I was like, oh my gosh, she's giving me too many things to choose from. Um, But I want to kind of go with one of the things that you said, and you said you're having a lot of conversations. And I think that's important, right? Like, I think that is probably the basis of where we actually can grow and learn and be um, supported is it through conversation. And you said, I'm having, you know, hard conversations with people. Like, can you give me an example of like maybe a topic or something that's coming up um, that you're having conversations about? Yeah, I would say the most recent one that's on my mind, um, just because I am so passionate about um, coaching, yes, but also like that, yeah, kind of the life coaching mentorship aspect of it, where we're so focused on just the athletic portion of things, especially in athletes, but that can also be academics or any other thing um, that these kids have in their lives. But just, I think the, the need and strive for perfection, mm-hmm. um, I think is just has increased almost tenfold, even since I've been um, going through high school and university, just the, yeah, this incessant need to um, sign with the best university as early as possible. And I went to the U17 volleyball provincials at the Richmond Oval this weekend, and there was some very young teams competing and the parents were at the back recording um, 
I assumed to get video to send off to colleges because mm-hmm. that's usually what's happening. And I was like, I was so close of just going up and kind of talking to these parents, just being like, why are we doing this? It's where they're so young. Um, and yeah, it's, I think right now the conversation is just like, how can we support our athletes that are in this, like I said before, this brand new age of social media yeah. and this, need and drive to be the best to be perfect to do everything with ease to do everything as quick as possible and um and I've had I had a conversation with a parent today and on the weekend lots of what's coming up right now is the anxiety and I've had parents email me and say hey my daughter's in grade nine my daughter's in grade six I have a son in grade uh 10 who's going through like debilitating depression and debilitating anxiety. Like, do you have any tips for him or her or me as a parent that can help, can help them out? And I mean, I wish I could just be in 17 different places at once and like do one-on-one chats with the athlete or the parents, because it, I mean, it is so, um, it's just, it's so personal. Everyone, mm-hmm. like everyone's why and everyone's journey. But then again, it's also very similar in just, I feel like this and like there's a blanket statement kind of over depression and anxiety. But I think the why is like, it kind of all stems down to just the not wanting to be disappointed and not wanting to fail. And one of my favorite humans on this earth is Brené Brown because she's just all about, yeah, I know. Love her. I know. Love just her. like everything she reads, I'm just like, oh yeah. my gosh, yes. Like, yes. That is exactly it. And yes. it is just what she's always saying is just the authenticity and the like bravery of putting yourself out there. And mm-hmm. the parent that I was talking to today said that his daughter and the age group that they're at, which is um, – I think grade eight, maybe they all just kind of want to blend in. They don't want to be seen. They don't want to stand out there even in practices on the volleyball court in school with their friends even. And he's saying like, man, my daughter is so beautiful and so strong and smart. And she just wants to blend in. And that's so heartbreaking as a parent. And just to hear that is heartbreaking for me because you just see this like confident, beautiful woman, but she's not showing that confidence. And for some reason she's not believing in herself. So there's so there's a weird disconnect that we have and the anxiety and the depression is so prevalent in our society today that I'm super interested now and in kind of why that is and how can we connect that and how can we kind of bring that from a sporting aspect as well. But I would love to reach even on the outside of sports, but And with my mental health journey, um, I can kind of give things that has helped me and what I'm doing. Um, I haven't gone to school for counseling or life coaching or anything like that, but people, again, like they're not really even looking for that. They just want their, their kids or, um, as an athlete or a person, they just want to connect with someone. Like that's all we're really looking for. Yeah. I, I noticed that, you know, obviously like growing up 
myself, I'm a little older than you, but even probably your generation and mine, we didn't grow up with social media. No, we skipped it. (laughs) So yeah, it was this whole different kind of comparison that we had to go through. But now with, you know, editing and, you know, putting things out on social media, there is a pressure to look or be a certain way. Oh, yeah. And, and that is so hard on young people because, um, you know, there's this, besides the pressure from themselves just to succeed and to be good, they also feel the pressure of like, well, did I get a like or did I, you know, and it, there is, a, you know, um, dopamine hit every time someone gets a like. Mm-hmm. So when you're growing up that way, it feeds an actual addiction to putting yourself out there and getting a like. Right. Which is crazy. And for young people to have to navigate that. And it's it's interesting because with sport, there is also um, you're using your physical body, which is a is great for movement, right? Like you're mm-hmm. you're moving. Yeah. But and, and you think sometimes that you'd outwork some of that through movement as well. But there's the whole component of body, soul and spirit. And I this is kind of the theme that I've been running through with this season is, you know, how do we restore our body, our soul, which is our mind, will and emotions, and then our spirit and, and be like a complete person. How do we be restored? So I want to ask you a question about that. Like, have you ever put thought into that for yourself? Like, how do you kind of, um, spend time on your physical body, on your soul, mind, will and emotions? So like, you know, your mental health and, all that. And then, of course, your spirit, which is like more of a faith component. Right. Um, I love that because um, that's kind of been the last few years of my life. That's exactly everything that I've been trying to look for. And I'm. that's one of the things I'm, I'm just so interested in, the holistic lifestyle. And if you're healthy in all aspects of your being because you can be a phenomenal athlete in the physical sense. But as I've learned from personal experience and from what I've seen, you can also just be so broken on the inside. And Mm -hmm. it's so, it's so crazy because yeah, our society is just like, how many goals did they score? Did your team win? Um, Like, are you the best? You get this award for being the greatest, but like, that's what we're teaching our kids and that's what I'm even seeing as as a coach and as an athlete like okay oh my gosh like what can I do to get on the starting on the starting six and what can I do to be the best and you're kind of competing at that every day regardless of if you're in an individual sport and a team sport or just kind of even if you're outside of athletics so for me um I grew up in a very athletic family with um, my mother who played volleyball for um, University of British Columbia and my father who was a um, national team wrestler and competed for Canada. So I had kind of that like work ethic and crazy Mm. drive right when I was young because they were again, just feeding into me like all of everything that's awesome in sports and I loved it um, at the time as well, not all the time. But yeah. <laughs> um, most of the time, and uh, I had two, my twin 
brothers uh, who are three years younger than me were also just like great and everything. So we had a funny path because we were just naturally gifted athletes. And so growing up, most lots of things just you kind of worked at it and the amount of effort that we put in, we got it right back. So that was kind of an addicting thing because you just got to work really hard. And then all of a sudden you were doing really well in all of your races and it was awesome. And as a, as a kid, it's just great. Like you get to be with your friends and play all these sports. So, and then making, making the junior national team. Then I went to university and was simultaneously uh, with the senior national team. I've just been with team Canada for so long and because of that, after I graduated UBC, as I was saying before, it's a 12-month season almost. We have no real off-season mm-hmm. um, in this volleyball world, unless, I guess, if you actively took a chunk of time off. But then even then, again, with social media, you see like, okay, but all of these people are still playing. Maybe I should be too, such and such. When my brother passed away, I was, of course, really struggling and I, my first season was in Turkey and realized pretty soon that if I was going to continue in this lifestyle that I had chosen and created for myself, I was really going to have to somehow put grief into a nice, neat little box <laughs> and just okay. like move forward and try to work on my physical body and the volleyball goals that I've set for myself and try to make it through this season and then the next season and the next season and the next season. And what happened was as these years progressed and the more I was putting my emotional, um, my emotional stuff away, pushing it away because physically I couldn't deal with it. Um, emotional emotions just started coming up at random times like you get the analogy that kind of grief is like it's like an ocean and you're kind of in it and it's calm and then all of a sudden you get hit um with a tidal wave and that's it was really what was going on and the past few years have been so difficult because i i believe that my grief has manifested into this anxiety and depression that i was diagnosed with last maybe two years ago now and because it had nowhere to go. I wasn't letting it out. It was just, I was literally just swallowing feelings and you have a lump in your throat and you feel sick, but, oh, I have to go to practice. And if I cry now, I'm going to be really tired. And then after practice, well, I can't cry now because then I'll be tired for tomorrow. And it just, it just kept going. And that's the kind of the only thing I knew after a while and started realizing the past couple professional seasons and even with national team, but it wasn't as predominant just because I was at home with my friends as opposed to being in a foreign country often the only English speaker so that posed some problems but like a couple years ago I just realized like I don't I am not okay I this is not how I should be feeling I don't want to be feeling like this I I I love volleyball and that's feeding into it but waking up kind of just feeling this heaviness and again this anxiousness of I just this is this is a bad feeling and I don't want to feel like this what can I do and started reading um some things about anxiety and depression even before I was diagnosed just because I just knew that something was wrong and again how I was living my life is not how I 
had pictured for myself five, 10 years ago and knew that I had to do something to kind of get that um, or started to start dealing with that because this wasn't a sustainable path that I had taken. And I, so, yeah, so two years ago I got, I was diagnosed um, with severe anxiety and depression, not just a little bout of it. And mm-hmm. it took me, it took three doctors for me to be finally convinced, even though I had known it for a while. It's, it's just hard to, for someone to kind of say that. And again, there's just Absolutely. some really negative stigma around it as an athlete. And like, well, like, what does that even mean? Like I was really kind of, I was happy to have a diagnosis to know that, okay, there is something wrong that this isn't just me and I'm having to kind of deal with it. Like there potentially is a solution that can help me feel better. So that was great, but it was just, it was still weird for me to hear that. And so again, it took three doctors and I was going um, to my last two seasons ago to Indonesia and kind of got diagnosed just before I was going. I said, okay, I'm taking this knowledge and I'm going to apply that this year. I'm going to really work on my inner self and do the things that I really love and just just try to have kind of a posture of gratitude really intensely and see if that helps. Maybe this knowledge will kind of help me move in the right direction. And unfortunately it did not. Okay. <laughs> um, I saw a counselor right when I got back to Vancouver, I kind of made arrangements because I was just in such a bad place that I thought like, I, I won't make it through the summer if I don't find an outlet or if I don't, I can't, again, I can't do this on my own and I've really tried hard, but I can't fix it. And as an athlete, you kind of just will try and try and try and try and try. And then, okay, maybe now I need help. And saw a counselor was really great, kind of uncovered a lot of the grief that I had ignored over the past five years. And however, at the end of it, she had said, Kyla, you're doing everything everything right. Like there's not one thing on the quote unquote list that I can kind of tell you to do. You're, you're getting daily activity. You're going on walks, you're meditating, you're doing your gratitude and you're journaling. Like there's just the list of things that can help with anxiety and depression disorders. I was doing all of that. And it was for me, I'm, I get a little bit tentative to tell people I openly will share that I, um, do have anxiety and depression, but I'm tentative to tell them that I'm on antidepressants because I worked really hard before I went on that medication. And for some people who maybe think they have some anxiety or some depression, they think, oh, well, she's on antidepressants and it's working for her. So I'm going to do that. Whereas it could just be, you could just need to talk to a counselor. Maybe you just need magnesium in your diet. Like there's so many individual things um, for mental health that, so that I'm still kind of not quiet, but just again, don't really like to announce that because I think sometimes the, like the general practitioners can kind of just give out that medication when, and they think that's just going to be a, like a happy pill but there's so much other work that needs to be put in. So I've done a lot of that um, inner self, I guess, um, like check-ins 
I've really had to become really self-aware and even, and I am very self-aware. Sometimes I ignore it. It's still a long process to kind of understand and then take action for the things that you need. And I'm, well, not unfortunately, but I also am a people pleaser by nature. So, um, and as a captain, I'm like really empathetic towards people I really want to help, but sometimes I'll put myself too far behind and then get really drained and then just am not able to help anyone. So then it kind of defeats the purpose. So I've had to become more self-aware in like what I truly do need and boundaries that I need to set. Um, That's been huge for me. And that's something that I'm still working on. Um, And with my faith, I need to be super connected on big picture things, knowing that maybe some failures or some disappointments or some doors closing, that's kind of all for a bigger picture for me. And just because I'm disappointed now doesn't mean that God doesn't have a um, really awesome thing for me down the road. And this is kind of just leading me into the right path. So that's a daily thing um, that I'm always needing to check in with myself. But I mean, holy moly, is it ever, it's a lifelong thing. I think I don't oh, yeah. think anyone's perfect at this and it's, yeah, it's hard. You have to checking in with yourself and being honest is with yourself is one of the hardest things to do. Yeah. I think the ebb and flow of even just mental health in general, or even just kind of taking care of ourselves when, when you look at it, mind, uh, or body, soul, and spirit, it, it, it is the, something that is daily and you have to keep, you know, looking and saying, okay, is this what I need to be doing now? Right. Exactly. Now do I need to do this? Or like as seasons change or as things, you know, uh, ebb and flow in your life, it's all, it's almost like if you get too stuck in a pattern, that is the moment where it's like, oh, no, I got to switch this. And I actually have to do something different. Do you ever look around at the people in your world and wonder how they make it look so effortless? You know, I've been there. In fact, it wasn't that long ago. I felt like I was striving to do almost everything in my life. And even though I had an amazing career and great friends, I really felt disappointed in my life and quite frankly, disheartened. I secretly had a dream that I'd been carrying around for so many years, but I was scared to death to implement it. And just being real with you, I got to a real low point in my life. The thought actually crossed my mind that if this is all there is, then I don't know what I'm gonna do. Those around me would have never guessed it because on the outside it looked like I had everything together, that I had everything I wanted, but on the inside I was literally falling apart because I was dreaming for so much more. And I'd come to an impasse. Either I kept doing the same thing over and over again and getting the same result, which was going nowhere, or I could do something different, but I wasn't sure what the alternative was maybe you can relate. And here's the thing. I knew I had real potential. Everyone had told me that my whole entire life, but my self-doubt was at an all-time high and the only way out was to take action. But I was scared to death to move forward. I knew I needed a plan and I needed some honest to goodness help to implement it. And for the past five years, I have been on a journey to create a life that I love, to do all the things that set my soul on fire so that I don't live one more day with regret. But the real change, the transformation 
happened when I surrounded myself with an amazing group of women who helped me navigate everything that I was thinking and feeling, and they encouraged me to take those brave steps. And in case you're wondering, I have a knack for picking the right friends, women who are really the real deal and who encourage and are life-giving. I'm basically a magnet for amazing women. And this summer, I'm taking everything I've learned over the past five years in my own personal journey, as well as being a coach, and I'm creating a safe space for women who have the same desire that I did to make a change in their life. So I'm opening the doors to a brand new coaching membership called The Brave Collective, and I am so thrilled. So if you're ready to experience a transformation in your own life and you want to be surrounded by women who are moving in the same direction, then you are not going to want to miss this opportunity. The beta group for the Brave Collective will be running this summer beginning in July and the doors to this amazing group are only open for one week. And after that, I'm closing the doors and I'm going to be spending time investing and pouring into the women in the collective. But right now I'm offering you the opportunity to become a founding member. And of course, founding members have their privileges, but we have limited spots available and the investment is at the lowest it will ever be. So to become a founding member right now, the monthly fee is $27 per month which is so great. Or you can opt in for the annual fee of $300. When we relaunch the Brave Collective, the membership fee will absolutely increase. But when you become a founding member, you're gonna lock in the price for the life of the membership. So here's the deal. The doors are going to open on Friday, June 14th, and they will remain open for seven days and close on Friday, June 21st at 5 p.m. I cannot tell you how excited I am to go on this journey with you because I know it's going to be a complete game changer for you. So I hope I see all of you inside the Brave Collective. To enroll, go to andreacrisp.ca forward slash collective. You have gone through a lot to get to this place. But there are so many young athletes, so many young women who are maybe struggling with these thoughts and they don't know what to do with them or they don't know what step to take. So if someone was coming to you or asking, what should I do? I'm not feeling I'm feeling a little anxious. I'm feeling like overwhelmed in my life. I love what I do, but I'm overwhelmed. What would you say to them? Ooh, good one. <laughs> um, well, one thing that I will, I'm, I'm bringing up, it's kind of also what I would, was just touching on. Um, the past couple summers, I've been playing very well. I've had great professional seasons. I've, again, was named captain of the national team um, Congratulations. two years ago. Thank you. <laughs> and it, from the outside, people have actually, actually said to me, oh, you, you live a perfect life. Like mm. your life is so perfect. And I just want to burst out laughing or crying either one <laughs> because it's like, <laughs> you holy, only knew. <laughs> <laughs> like, holy moly, is that ever like misled and yeah. misguided? And it's, and it's funny because I'm just myself and 
I'm dealing with my own personal struggles and um, successes just as they come and as they go. And, but again, as I said, people will look up to me or look into my life and say, your life is perfect, but I know what the struggles that I'm dealing with. So if I'm thinking that the, even the people that I look up to, how are they? They're also struggling then. That's like the only logical explanation for all of this, because if people are looking up at me and I'm struggling, well, then I'm looking up at people and they're probably struggling. So Mm -hmm. what I would say is, I mean, social media can be so awesome and it's how people can connect. And again, if you're following the right people and you're kind of in the right tribes, I guess, um, online and connecting with like-minded people, it can be so inspirational. And Instagram can be such an awesome platform. But I do think they're like with that, with Instagram and just the need to be posting and it, it is a highlight reel. I'm not sure if people really totally understand that. Um, mm. It's And because of that, it's a comparison game. You had alluded to how we were growing up. I think we were kind of comparing ourselves to our, our best friends or, oh, they got that for their birthday and I'm jealous or this person got to go to a, on a trip on this vacation. Like we're comparing to our our group of friends that are kind of around us, or maybe we heard something, someone at the other high school did this and that's awesome. Like now the reach is so much bigger that someone could be comparing themselves to a 16 year old celebrity. And that just isn't logical. And it just, and of course they're getting set up for failure and disappointment because your life doesn't look like that, but they need to realize too, that that is so okay. And my life looks different than my best friends than it does with yours, than it does with like anyone around the world. But like our uniqueness is kind of what sets us apart. And yeah, with, with anyone coming and saying, I love what I do, but I'm struggling with this anxiety to me that, to me, that means there is kind of, there's um, a, a fear of failure in one aspect or another. Maybe that's a fear of failing your parents who have put so much energy and effort and money into what you're doing. Um, Maybe it's a fear of looking silly in front of your friends because all of your friends are having all of these successes. You know, like I think the anxiety really does come with a a disappointment factor. I often, sometimes my triggers are for anxiety is that I think I'm, I'm about to disappoint somebody else. So maybe I have to skip out on a meeting or a dinner date or something like that. My people pleaser need kind of tends to come. The anxiety comes to, uh, kind of prohibit me from just letting it go and taking care of myself, for example. So I think, I think just finding, or first of all, making sure that you are loving what you're doing, taking the pressure out of making it perfect. Why are we doing this? Why are you doing this? What do you love about that? And finding that big picture. And I think just like throwing that on a post-it on your mirror, just so you can like see it every day, because sometimes we get, um, our brains are just are crazy and with our society as hectic as it is and as fast paced as it is we can just kind of get spiraled into that need for 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 perfection and the strive to get there and to be the best and I think that is when we start comparing and we see other athletes entrepreneurs moms um your friends like anyone is just they seem to be doing it better 
faster, easier. Um, and, and we just think, gosh, like I must be doing something wrong, but yeah. that's, that's of course not it at all. And everyone finds, um, their, themselves in their own time, but we just, I think we just, or I would love to try, try to teach them the beauty of that because that's something that took me a while to learn. And I think you had alluded to the, um, seasons, like everyone's in a different season and someone else's maybe in their best season of the last five years. And that's what you're seeing. And you might be in a really tough season, but that's pers- you're pushing through this season and, and who knows what's going to be on the other side. And then the next one, um, and just finding that exciting and knowing that if you are in a really tough time, like what are like writing out journaling is so big for me and what I usually will write out, what could I find in this really tough moment and in this really tough season, what am I learning right now? Because those tools are going to really help me as I move forward. And when I'm in a different season, I'm going to be able to grab those from my toolbox and therefore kind of help me manifest into who I'm supposed to be. Um, but it's those really tough times that really, really shape our lives. And that's really awesome. But it's just, we kind of have to embrace that as opposed to being, I guess, scared and tentative in those times. Mm-hmm. I had talked with um, a mentor. Actually, she was my coach trainer, um, which she actually trained me years ago. But I had had a conversation with her probably a couple of years ago now. But I remember her saying, you know, like I look, and so she's maybe 10 years my senior. So she's like, I look at some of the things that coaches are doing now and think, oh, like I'm too old for that. And my my social media game is going to be much different than <laughs> someone, my, my junior. And I'm thinking the same thing, right? Like I'm yeah. thinking the exact same thing of like someone 10 years younger than me. And and it's a funny thing because, you know, often we don't admit to, you know, those feelings of um, of thinking like, oh, I wonder what their life is like. Mm-hmm. It must be so great. And I, I think to myself all the time, you know, people you know can assume things. And even as a coach, for me, there is there have been moments where, you know, there's such a, I guess, a stigma around having it all together. Mm-hmm. And, totally. you know, if I'm going to coach someone else, then I must have my life together. And there's a lot of areas of I've really worked hard on and I've really had to work to do things in my life. But I wouldn't say in any way, shape or form, have I arrived anywhere. Right. Because every time I feel like I'm arriving somewhere, I'm like, oh, no, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> even close to where I thought I should be. And, right. you know, and there's like something that'll happen to, you know, reveal that to me. And, and so, so often, you know, people will look up to other people and say, oh, well, you must have this. And there's this pressure to have everything perfect or all together, or you never fail, you never do anything wrong, you, you know, you never lose. And I even have a friend and her, it's an interesting because her daughter's probably like nine now. And I know that her daughter will not listen to this. So, but so I can say this, but um, she is so afraid of doing things and failing. Mm-hmm. And so we'll have conversations, you know, when I'm over at their house and she'll say, oh, no, I don't want to do that because I won't be perfect. And I think, wow, nine years old and you're uh, you're already concerned about, you know, what you what you can and can't do. 
And I remember saying to her the other day, I'm like, you know, you never know unless you try. You just have to try it. And if it, it's okay if you fail. But it's it's easier said than done, right? Like, Absolutely. You can say that, but the feeling of failure. And I even remember, you know, myself as a kid. And I look back now and that's, you know, it's like triggers of your own life when you look back. And I remember um, water skiing when I was a kid and I couldn't get up. And I was in front of an entire family at the cottage and I couldn't seem to get up like everyone else was getting up all the cousins were getting up and I was so embarrassed because I would just keep face planting and <laughs> and I remember like I got onto the shore and you know they're like you want to keep trying I'm like no like by this time I'm exhausted right because you're like yeah, how many no times can thanks. I keep doing this before like I'm like completely wiped out but I remember thinking to myself all I wanted to do was go hide in a corner and cry because I wasn't able to do what my other cousins were able to do. Mm -hmm. And uh, that stayed with me a really long time. And I didn't realize it had stayed with me. So it became kind of this filter through what I saw my life as. Like, you know, if things aren't going to go my way or if I can't do things, I need to hide away. I need to go somewhere and I need to stop doing it. I need to get out of it and I need to stop. Right. And and it took me a really, really long time before I was able to push through that and actually fail. And it's I know that sounds crazy, but what I would do is I would only allow myself to do things I would be really good at. I think we do that way more than we think. First of all, if it makes you feel better, that happened to me last summer. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit of a Bambi on the water, on the ice, anything like that. So I feel your pain. Um, but yeah, and I read a really interesting article. I must have been like seven years ago, but it is, it's stuck with me. And it, and it is about um, the tendency for girls versus boys and how we grow up and how we um see failure and feel failure and mm -hmm. if you look at it girls are I think like oh you're such a good student or you're doing this because you're sitting quiet and you're doing all of your homework and you're doing this and you're so polite boys are more rambunctious and you kind of I guess this is kind of a generalized statement, but boys are more rambunctious. They want to be outside. They want to be getting messy and dirty and falling and getting up and running around and trying all these things. And they're just, they're okay to be doing that. And we also say like, oh, you're, you're so crazy and you're so wild and you're up, down and around and that's great. And, and going through high school and growing up and going through school and going into jobs, women are more like our tendency is to kind of do things in secret. <laughs> like yeah. for example, would be practicing on like water skiing by yourself. So then, you can, <laughs> then you can show up and be like, Hey, look what I can do. But I did You're it with ease. So dead on. With right. That. And like, and like practice, but boys, like it's just failures. You, they can face plant 400 times and they still think it's cool and they're going to just go for it. It doesn't even matter if like their shorts fly off in the water, who cares? Yeah. Like we're just going to do it. And, and then that kind of keeps going into, um, adulthood. And then when we're in jobs, um, women often don't hand in reports if they're not, if they don't feel they're perfect, but often that kind of, um, that doesn't give us 
as many opportunities because if we don't feel like we a deserve it or we're worthy of that job or the increase or something like that we kind of hold ourselves back whereas men on the other hand have learned to fail much better than women have collectively so they're the ones that are handing these in putting up their hands in board meetings kind of showing up and being really vulnerable which is kind of interesting but Mm -hmm. they're doing that because if they say like no your idea is stupid they oh, well, okay, then I'll think of something else tomorrow. And it's just so interesting how that kind of happens. And that's kind of how the society is structured that, and even again, through Instagram and through social media, you can see all of these other women doing it so well that you kind of think, well, they do that and it's so easy for them. Um, They're such a good cook when really maybe they burned five meals prior (laughs) to that. You just don't know. So it's really interesting that, yeah, the that story really reminds me of that. And I, and I used to think too, like when I was going through high school and just one simple example would be all of my friends waiting to write an exam. Like, Oh, did you study that hard? Yeah, not really. Like I, yeah, studied, like looked at it a little bit over my notes when really I had studied like 12 hours a day for the last two weeks. You know, you just kind of want to do everything with ease and then also find perfection, which just that is, that doesn't happen ever. Yeah. But we just assume that other people are doing it and that it's easy and that they have these perfect lives when really there's no connection to ease and perfection there and, and just perfection in general. It's, that's just a, that's a made up statement, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, as you were saying that, it made me think about, you know, something you'd said earlier and I think it's this weird thing that we are striving for perfection and yet the thing we really want is impact. And we miss mistake one for the other. And it's like if you at the end of the day, people would say if if you know, if I got to make an impact on the world or I was purposeful in the world, that would mean something. Mm-hmm. But we we actually substitute perfection in there. Right, exactly. Because we think, oh, I need to look a certain way to impact the world. But the reality is, is that we need to be ourselves completely to impact the world. Exactly. And, you know, and I think that like even probably your whole Team Canada, if you would look at your, your, all your teammates, they bring all something very different. And you definitely don't want them all to bring the same thing to the table. Exactly. Because then you'd have carbon copies of, you know, skill set and that's not going to work because not not all of them make the team then right exactly but the uniqueness and and even like you know we're talking about like skill set but like even their attitude and their ability to encourage like someone may have more of an ability to encourage someone may have more of an ability to like you know ramp everybody up and you know someone else may have an ability just to kind of quietly calm And I think that we all have something that we bring to the table, but we're so wanting everyone to think that it's this like great and grandiose thing when really, if we just allow ourselves to be ourselves, that's going to be enough. Exactly. And that's, it's for some reason hard to remember that sometimes, you know, like you, yes, as a, as a businesswoman as a mom as an athlete like whatever it is it's always like oh I want to be like that person but 
but that person's already taken. Like that person is that person. You yeah. are your person. And that's a, such a good point. Um, and why I love team sports is that it's, it's so interesting, especially on the level that I'm at, because you are with the best um, athletes in Canada and you're, tr- you're just kind of clumped together and you are from ages 19 to 30 and you all have to work together all of a sudden like you start really liking that person they might be 10 years younger than you they might be six years older than you they are from completely different families different upbringings like it's so interesting but yet you love them for what why they're different and like you said it's a unique skill set it's a unique um, personality and we've talked about that on team Canada the last couple of years and kind of honed in on the fact of what is your strength and what you bring to the team. And it's so interesting that all of these very different personalities and very different, unique personal skill sets are so valued on this one team. And I hope we can actually hone into onto that a little bit more in the upcoming years because it is so cool and it's really awesome to know why your teammates even like appreciate you. Like, yeah. oh, I didn't even know that you liked that about me or I've, I've just been trying to be like you for the last couple of years, but then they're <laughs> exactly. trying to be like me. So how does that work? And now, um, yeah. Let me ask you a couple questions about, you know, you're going into that season. Like mm-hmm. this is a new kind of season, a push to the Olympics, which is really cool, by the way. I think it's so cool. Um, and you're leading the team. And, you know, you're thinking about, okay, I... I'm going to stand for something here. People are going to know me for something. What are they going to know you for? Also such a good question. <laughs> and that <laughs> that for me has changed over the years. And I think losing my brother, like I had said, really had to I really had to change the outlook on life in general and volleyball moving forward. Like volleyball is for me it's so much more than a game. I love playing it. It's so great. It's so much fun. But for way more than that, it's why I've continued going on. And after I lost him, I kind of realized that like life is so short Mm -hmm. and it really, really is. And when you experience a loss, you really, truly feel that. And that's with you every single day. So I realized too, he was, he passed away just before his 21st birthday and that was only 21 years on this earth and he impacted so many people and so many people were telling me and still tell me like how much they miss him, his presence, how they made him feel, like what he did for them that one time that he volunteered for this or asked this person if they needed help. And like, that's what people remember. Like they, they don't remember if I made that really awesome block five years ago, like nobody cares. And quite frankly, nobody can remember. So (laughs) like, it's, it's all just about like, how are you making people feel? And, um, I am one of the oldest players on the team and I do pride myself for being in the program for a long time, but it's not the performance that I'm focused on anymore. It's how, how am I serving my teammates and how am I making sure that everybody feels good that they can perform in practice, that we're going on to the tournament. If you're new to the team or trying out, I really try to talk to those people because it's it's so scary and I've been there before. So how can I kind of ease them into that? Um, 
and just try to make life easier for other people. You know, like I just want to, I just want to serve and I just want to be there and for whatever people need me for, um, whether that is someone like a shoulder to cry on, whether I need to motivate someone, whether I need to give someone a kick in the butt, like it can range, especially over a, a big team and over such a long time. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely, yeah, I, I would say that I'm less focused on performance because I know that it's super fleeting, my performance, their performance, and how our team does. It's um, as we're striving towards a, a goal-oriented, a goal-oriented goal, um, and trying to qualify for the Olympics, it becomes a little bit more blurry because we are needing to perform as we're going into tournaments to try to qualify for the Olympics. But I mean, at the end of the day, if we don't qualify, it's not that it's not like my entire volleyball career has been in vain or has been a waste of time. I've made amazing friendships and learned so much from my professional uh, teammates that I've played with overseas. And I've learned so much about myself when I'm over there. And when I'm on the court with um, my Canadian women, I'm like kind of blown away every single day because Again, everyone is so unique and offers such different, really cool views of the world and of different things that you can just go into the gym and play volleyball, but you're so inspired just running alongside um, one of your teammates. And there's just so much to be learned about somebody and about society and about the world and about you. And that can kind of just all be encompassed. And um, it's just interesting that volleyball can kind of bring that when it is a sport and it is just a game, but it's, man, it is so much more than that. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so for me going into this new season, there's going to be a lot of new faces. Um, I feel old, even though I'm only 30. <laughs> You're not old. <laughs> and uh, yeah, just like, I just want to kind of offer like myself up for what people need because um, I've, I don't know, I've had already, I've had a lot of life and a lot of experiences, like some really awesome, some really hard. And I just kind of have a lot of knowledge. And as I was saying before, a lot of empathy also towards what people are going through, which can be kind of seen as a negative or a positive, but I'm choosing kind of to see it as a negative or as a positive, excuse me. And um, yeah, just kind of diving into these new challenges. Like it's a brand new team and that is going to be a lot of fun. And um, yeah, who knows? Who knows how people will need me, but just kind of being open uh, to any of that. That's a beautiful answer. And I'm going to kind of flip, I'm going to flip it a little bit. I'm going to ask you a coaching question, but mm. how are you going to be able to support yourself? What are you going to do? Ooh, yes, good. Um, well, I know because I am more self-aware, I do know when I need just time for me. I would say I'm more of an introvert by nature, kind of an I think an extroverted introvert. So I can be really extroverted when I need to be or in a situation such as on a team or coaching or presenting or anything like that. But it does take away from me a lot in, in, in terms of energy. So I really, really need to focus on recharging. And again, being honest with myself, if I can feel myself kind of getting a little bit anxious or really tired, I need, I need to take some time. I need to um, sit at my computer and write in my journal, um, organize, go on a walk, uh, be with my husband. There are kind of things that I have that I love doing. Um, I'm a coffee addict. I love coffee shops mm -hmm. and like that vibe there. I just, I'm not in school, but I could just like go there and like write emails all day just to pretend that I'm doing work or learning or something. I just love those like studious vibes and coffee shops. So 
yeah, like I've had to kind of like, you can just write a list, even like what really brings you joy and what fills you up with energy. Like extroverts need to be around people. Like I am totally the opposite of that, but I mean, sometimes you do need to be around people depending on the season that you're in. So I think, again, knowing that it changes, just checking in with yourself all the time, those are really um, big things for me. And um, becoming more self-aware but acting on it is something that I'm going to have to continue um, bringing with me on the daily, I think. Mm -hmm. No, that's amazing. I love all of that. I have one more question for you before you go. Hit me. Okay, you ready? For- yeah. <laughs> if you were to think about your your next brave step that maybe you've kind of been thinking about, it's that thing that you are toying around with that you feel like is imminent, but you haven't done it yet. What is that? <laughs> um, because I have a lot of time overseas, I think I have about like 20 big ideas per month (laughs) just like that would be so cool if I did this or like hey Rudy we should start up this and then I kind of get excited and write down like plans but there is like just a nagging um feeling of of just really wanting to help the this younger generation I don't really know how I'm going to do it or what it's going to really look like but it's kind of been shaping up over I would say the past six years I kind of had this idea when I was playing in Greece just about a platform to kind of show what women how strong women are and what they're doing and what their struggles are and I didn't really know how what that was going to look like and now with where I am right now it's the youth is kind of capturing my attention and um like, how are we going to help build them into these strong, confident women that we are all striving for to be ourselves? And again, I'm not really sure what it's going to look like, but my, like, my brave step is to kind of dive fully headfirst into that when volleyball is over. So mm, kind of awesome. together, volleyball is potentially coming to a close for me in terms of the next couple of years. I don't know exactly when, and I don't know, it's not planned. It's not like if we don't make the Olympics, I'm done. It's, um, we have a new coach. If it's going well, I can definitely see myself um, pushing it a little bit longer, but it kind of is imminent. I am finishing up my career in the next couple of years. So I will be stepping into a a season that I've (laughs) never been in before. Volleyball has always been, part of my life and center stage of my life. So it's going to look super different for me. Um, and that's going to take a lot of courage and, um, just the ability to be brave, to step into something new. Um, volleyball has always been, yeah, something where I can get confidence and inspiration. And I'm going to have to try to find something else that brings me all of that. Um, just maybe shift it a little bit more, but I still think it's going to involve, athletics and youth and all of that um confidence building and inspiration i just i just love connecting with people and i love kind of seeing their like eyes light up when um i say something that are like wow like you too (laughs) like you feel that too that's cool and um yeah don't know what it's going to look like but that's going to take some guts for sure to kind of start something up as i jump into a new season of my life as well well 
I can't wait to see what you do because by the sounds of it, no matter what it is, it's going to be amazing. So thank you. I'm definitely going to follow along and see what's going on for sure. Um, I have loved chatting with you. Like, Me too. That was awesome. Wealth of wisdom. Like it's so good. Like you have so many. And I just want to say too, like I, I follow along your Instagram and you know, your writing is so beautiful and eloquent and you're making an impact in the world through your words, through your actions. And I know that you're probably going to go into a, you know, a major season that you're kind of like really focused, but just know there's someone else across Canada here cheering you on and you know wishing you all the best and so i just thank you so so much for being on the courage cast today it's awesome andrea thank you for messaging me too that was great when i got your email i was like oh my gosh yes of course this is something gonna be awesome so that's been it's been really fun you know there's such a stigma around having it look like we have it all together and it doesn't matter if you're an entrepreneur or if you're a student if you're a mom if you're an elite athlete You know, we all struggle with something. And I think the misconception is, is that we should have our lives be perfect. And if we're successful, then things should be going really, really well in our lives. But that's not always the case. In fact, that's hardly ever the case because there is something that each one of us is struggling with. So it really doesn't matter who you are, whether you're Beyonce or Barack Obama, or whether you are Kyla Ritchie, the captain of Team Canada's volleyball team. It does not matter who you are. We all have something that we are dealing with in our lives. And so I wanna encourage you to just be real with those around you and allow yourself to be vulnerable enough to share the most honest parts of yourself. And I wanna thank Kyla for sharing her story so vulnerably with us and showing us what it's like really to be a true Canadian role model. And we wanna wish her all the best as she is on her road to qualifying for the Olympic games. And friend, I love doing this journey with you. Make sure that you connect with me and don't forget, that we have openings for the Brave Collective that are running in July. And I'm so excited for this great opportunity and I would love for you to become a part. So make sure you enroll at andreacrisp.ca forward slash collective. And until next time, remember, you have everything you need to live bravely. If you like this episode of The Courage Gas, we'd love to hear from you. Leave us a rating and review, and while you're there, hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. Original music and production by Stephen Crilly.